everybody here can easily understand. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Welcome to the Uncommon Communicator Podcast. We are your hosts, James Gable, here with Brandon Thompson to bring you enlightenment to the topic of communication. Yes. <laughs> That's all you got from that? That's all I got from that one. Come on, man. I don't know. What do you want from me? Do I got to redo that? Uncommon Communicator He's trying to be my British announcer. I'll grab you some tea. You can stick your pinky up in the air and we'll go. That's how I drink anyways. Yeah, we'll see. I got you coffee instead. So we'll, we'll rock and roll yeah, with the bind on it as well, too. Yeah, well, I've already finished my coffee. Where are you at, son? You're a chugger, though. What, did, I'm a you, sipper. Okay. Well, that's because some of us like the caffeine to actually get to our system and have an effect. <laughs> Others apparently just like it for the aesthetic. That, of course. Yeah. With the pinky up. That's why we do that. Yeah. Well, why are we here today? Uh, to talk about communication. We are in part five of our of our five part series on communication evolution. And is our, this the end? This is our final. Are we done? Yes. Was this been painful oh, for you? No, I just it's it's all sad. I, I, all I did was bring you burritos and coffee. I didn't even make this a special like five. I should have brought you five things instead of two things. Kind of like the twelve days of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, five Rico's burritos. But Actually, I did buy five Rico's burritos. Never mind. This worked out well. See, perfect. Okay. And what you are going to bring me is what level of. Uh, pokey. No, th- this is the final. Uh, this is this is the fire flying version of Charizard today. This is this is the blue flame as opposed to the yellow and the red flame. This is the Charizard X. It's my favorite one. I'll show you a picture later. Yeah, I bet you will. Yeah. So now, at least one listener knows what you're talking about <laughs> when you edit it. Mm-hmm. At least, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so we are in part five. This is our last part of our series on. Talking about forgotten communications, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot kind of looking back at how communications have progressed through the years. And as you've kind of done the uh, evolution uh, tie into the Pokemon, yeah. which, yeah, I'm so learned in that now. But in this one, we're going to talk about the instructional hymn. This is the last one in this series to talk about because, well, here we are in the holidays, right? Well, mm. who doesn't enjoy a good Christmas hymn? There has. I was like, I did sing hymns yesterday, actually. Very poorly, but I did sing hymns yesterday. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Poorly. Well, I, I, I won't lie. I didn't exactly research the ones that we were singing beforehand. So I kind of was sight reading the lines right in front of me and trying to adapt to the the, the tune as it was going. Well, and we talked a little bit about that earlier, how you were singing some hymns that weren't familiar to you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, like, some of them have just gone on through time. You know, you look at Amazing Grace. We're talking church hymns at this point. Uh, A lot of these hymns have been around for a 100 or so years, and people know them and still sing them. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of churches sing the first verse, last verse. Sometimes there's five verses with a whole bunch of words in the middle Mm -hmm. that people don't memorize. Yeah, the word soup part. They're very memorable uh, and ingrained in, uh, you know, in who we are Mm -hmm. because we've absorbed them through both words and music. Yep. Is that what an instructional hymn is? So an instructional hymn is just that. Looking back at this really around that same time that we're talking about 
the town crier. You know, literacy rate was super low. Yeah, you, you, you know, probably can, ten to twelve percent. Right? Yeah, they didn't have like the hymn books or whatever. They just kind of sang it and told you to memorize it. Well, and that's a lot of the style back then was kind of a say it and then they would repeat it back. That's how people learned it. Because you're right, there were there weren't even hymn books to read, and they were taken in some places the scriptures taking whatever you know mode they were trying to you know give the information out on and putting it to music mm-hmm. so they were not only getting just the the musical portion of it but they were learning doctrine learning scriptures learning words mm-hmm. yeah they they were learning words that didn't was not where well, they, they were not not learning, learning they learned words, words. They, they learned words yeah. to music yeah they exactly they, they're instructional Dare we say, is what this was. Maybe informational, possibly educational. (laughs) You know. (laughs) We're off rails today. Happy holidays, everybody. Well, He's had too much uh, whiskey in his eggnog as of this morning. (laughs) Not yet. But the concept of like the drum beats that we were talking about, and also I think when you talk about these hymns, it really hits that personal, emotional side of our communications where we're taking kind of written word and kind of doing functional things with them and trying to get a desired result of, you know, learning through it as well as enjoyment entertainment. Yeah. No, and it's and we've already had Joanna on here to discuss kind of just how music affects the brain, right? So Joanna Ostrander. Oh, music therapist. Yes. But I was like, you're right. Joanna, at Joanna Ostrander, music therapist. <laughs> dot everybody's going to know who Joanna is. And, well, you know, if you listen to the Uncommon Communicator podcast, you do. Um, but so just to kind of give a quick little recap on how music can affect the brain and memory and yada, yada, yada. Um, Harvard researchers at the Neuroimaging Lab have shown that singing can be helpful to patients recovering from brain injury or stroke that con- or it caused damage to the left region of the brain. Then that obviously region is responsible for speech, which is what Joanna came here specifically to talk about. Um, so singing takes place in the right side of the brain. People can learn to speak through song before gradually moving back into like actual speaking. Uh, and then, you know, it goes on to say another study shows that relationships between music, memory and emotion, since music invokes such strong emotions and emotions boost memory process, we can understand that music is involved in forming memories. This could apply to memories about certain pieces of music or information associated with specific pieces of music. The information associated with certain specific pieces of music is kind of what we're latching on to today. Several studies have shown that verbal memory and focused attention can significantly be improved by listening to favorite music every day, especially when compared to those who don't regularly listen to music. Um, one of the biggest responses people don't remember things is due to stress. So uh, at the times when you're like stressed out and you're trying, like the holidays, right? Or just the time that we're in currently right now. Are you ever like, I got to buy for so-and-so, I got to wrap for so-and-so, I got to make a mashed potatoes and salmon and things went right. And you're, and you're trying to like list off all 27 things. You, you might only get 20 of the 27 and think you're doing fine. Well, you just forgot because of stress. Um, that's where music and memory recall uh, come into play for various reasons that come back to the effect of music on memory, which music tends to minimize stress, improve your mood, allows for your thinking, increases alertness, and then provides much needed breaks, right? So, which is actually me this morning, because uh, I would never have bought gifts the Tuesday before a holiday, would never have done that, and then definitely wouldn't have waited until the night before said holiday to wrap said gifts. I never would have done that at five o'clock in the morning to, to make sure that things were properly wrapped and relabeled, and I didn't take headphones and plug in some tunes while doing this. That's not something that Brandon Gilbert Thompson would have done on December the 24th 
2022. Do you often do codified confessions? That's a new word I just made up. Codified confessions. Mm-hmm. You, um, you kind of just did a confession, but you coded it. Uh, but I, I, I mean, like, may, well, I guess maybe when every single time I'm at work, when I do something or whatever, and it comes in handy, yeah. I'm over like, dude, I wish there was a guy that or it was like, gee, wonder if there's a guy that did this. Wouldn't it be nice? Or like when I don't do something, I'll be like, wow, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if there was a guy that did this? So maybe, maybe I do all the time. Yeah, I, I think you do. But it was, so you did put some earphones in and just kind of take some music and kind of chill out. Well, I tried to wrap presents without music and then I kind of was like starting to get in my own head and I looked at the bag and I was like, I got like 12 more things in there. This is getting frustrating. Well, so, then, so you plug it in and you're like, ah, it's only been like seven songs. We're fine. I I like how you brought uh, in Joanna and talking about what she had talked about in in relation to music. And in this instructional hem portion, when you look into when these, you know, the idea of instructional hems, you know, goes back to campfires like long time ago, like ancient times, forgotten times, obviously. But they were using, in some cases, songs before they had spoken words. They were singing stuff. That's their... I don't know. It's the anthropologist guess that potentially we were actually singing stuff or, or humans were singing stuff before in some places there were spoken languages. Well, yeah, right. I was like, cause you sing, cause you can pass it down from generation to generation. And like, even, even if like you couldn't quite form words or whatever, if you have like the emotions and the tune kind of associated with those notes, it works out well. Right. Cause then that goes back to the drum beat where, or like dogs barking, right? Like clearly they're not individual words. It's just a tone. And it's a rhythm. And that's kind of how you get your story across. Well, and if you look at really the principles of instructional hymns, first, they really put instructions or lessons into a really memorable format, into a tune, something you can remember. And then the words are attached to it as part of that memory thing that we talked about. Mm -hmm. The other thing is really supporting learning for people who didn't have access to resources. Goes back to that literacy idea. There weren't books, there weren't hymnals, but they were able to learn them through instructional songs. And I think the last one is pretty interesting is it was really used to codify and use metaphors in messages that during the African-American spirituals, they were kind of tying those things into their songs, kind of using it in code so the masters didn't know what was going on. I, just, I love that idea that we're you know taking these memorable things and just kind of, as you're singing those songs, some of those are a little bit of bluesy, but, you know, they're encouraging. They, you know, they, music kind of warms us up. Yeah. Well, and right. It's, it's like, it's a, the, the secret code thing is pretty cool. Because you could sing it right to your boss's face and like, oh, that was wonderful. Do it again. They're over here like, nah, man, I literally just said like we're going to like riot at 2 a.m. or something like that. <laughs> anyway, so instructional hymn and or riding music is all the good stuff. Yeah. And I'd love the idea that, the, you know, this was back in our in our time of history where, um, again, literacy rates were low. And that's why the Uncommon Communicator is a big fan of literacy. Literacy brings freedom. But in this case, you're at least learning stuff in a memorable way. But we're going to take it a little bit step further today to kind of look at a semi-modern version of this. And how how can we really utilize this concept or are we using this concept today? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we are. Uh, I don't know if you've ever. Did you ever have to memorize like all the states at one point in time? Yes. Okay. Remember the Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Connecticut, da-da-da. So it sounded a little like informational and or instructional, possibly like in the form of a tune and or it's set to some music because there's a da-da-da. 
Uh, you ever learned that one in school? Yes. Or like a Mississippi? How do you spell Mississippi? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Yeah, right. And it, it, But you have to say it that quickly. I don't think I've ever spelt Mississippi M-I-S-S. I'm like, I-S-S-I-P-P-I. But you just, you have to finish it out, right? Like you, you, you've learned it to this beat. It's not necessarily the right way to phrase it, but you've learned it to this rhythm. You've learned it to this like own tune in your head. Um, and like, that's kind of the same, same thing with the A, like just teaching somebody their ABCs. I literally cannot go through the alphabet without like singing my ABCs, right? You, you, we don't, it's also known as singing your ABCs. It's not known as saying your ABCs. It's singing your ABCs. Um, one of the greatest examples of this was brought up to, a, or it was brought to our attention in 1973 in a run that went from 1973 to 1984. What's it called, James? That is the show, I guess we'll call it. It was They call it interstitial programming because they tied it into the middle of other shows, but it's it's called Schoolhouse Rocks. Mm-hmm. Did you remember growing up with us? We, so, yeah, no, that was we had it on VHS. When, when the teacher would wheel in the TV, right, because this is back in the day where the TVs were three times the size of the instructors that were trying to like wheel it in there. Uh, yeah, no, we went over uh conjunction function or conjunction junction. What's your function? Uh, I'm still a bill. Three is the magic number. And then a noun is a person, place, something. Those are the ones that I specifically remember like getting the DVD from obviously conjunction junction. What's your function? I, it's actually just called conjunction junction, I, but you have to, I have to finish it every time. I can't, yeah, I can't. Yeah, what's your function? Yeah. In the time frame that 73 to 84, I watched these when they were first coming out. So these things were ingrained in me as a very young child, remembering those things, specifically the one I'm just a bill understanding how government works. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, I remember those same ones. Three is a magic number. The noun, all of those things were, Fun to watch. They're kind of cute little cartoons mm-hmm. uh, as a kid. And it wasn't a commercial. You didn't know. At this time, I didn't know I was learning. You didn't know. I had no idea. I was, like, no no I was no, learning man, my other favorite song's on. You <laughs> come running in to listen to it. Yeah. Because that's what adding music in this kind of instructional hem idea does. Yeah. It takes away that forced learning portion of it and makes it fun and it's memorable. And you can go back and look at, you know, exactly where your conjunctions fit in a sentence because yeah. you have a song that's that's spelled out to it. Right. So we've we've gone from you have you have a shack in Paris somewhere. You go visit Notre Dame on the week, you know, on Sunday or Saturday, whatever the, the weekday would be, right? You go to basically a palace, right? If you, if you compare probably what most people were living in to Notre Dame, I mean, even nowadays, like if I compare where I'm living to Notre Dame, like I got no hate for where I'm living, but like, pfft, no, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I'm not here to hate. Right. So you go from a shack and then you go to Notre Dame and you're like, dang, wow. Like it just like blows your mind. And then, you know, the, the preacher, the pastor, whatever would stand up there and would basically give a lecture. You'd sing songs and it'd be like an instructional hymn, right? Well, now we've gone from that to uh, improving our shacks. So we no longer have to go be impressed by Notre Dame because I live in a pretty dope shack. And we put it in between our cartoon TV shows to indoctrinate our children into just being able to function with grammar properly. <laughs> We're indoctrinating good grammar. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, what else is it, right? I mean, that you, you go to school to be indoctrinated into how to like live a life, essentially. <laughs> well, and that's... Very much uncommon communicator approved, right? We are bringing literacy and helping literacy through that point of these, you know, these cartoons basically, and they were fun and memorable. And that's the power that I think the instructional hem brings. And something else moving along from that, there's a guy named Max Fisher. This guy was kind of pioneering in his classrooms as well, too. 
taking lyrics from popular pop songs and teaching about drug use. Like there's so much back to that codified or kind of metaphorically speaking in some of these songs where they were talking about drug use and he was able to talk about that portion of it. And that's the one thing that uh, made the kids interested in class instead of sitting there for a lecture, they were able there to be entertained. This is, he was a sixth grade teacher to be engaged in it. Why not take our lessons? Why not take all of our presentations? Why not make all of our conversations to that point where they're memorable and engaging. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think back to some of my classes, right? So, and, and probably in elementary school, uh, Miss Edwards, she was, I, I don't know if it was anyone in particular or just the whole class was having troubles understanding what fractions were, right? Like grasping a young child's head around breaking something apart is never always the easiest thing. Uh, but she would always be like, factors, break it down, right? And just, just, attaching like some kind of a rhythm or some kind of like a catch to these instructional things basically is an instructional hymn in some form or fashion. Right. Um, then we, I can obviously say that we moved on to uh, schoolhouse rock. Another example I'd say is Bill Nye, the science guy. I could probably sing to you the entire Bill Nye, the science guy, like open, but on top of that, there's always the like, did you know? And then they like give you the fact to be, now, you know, and it's because it's that fact in between those two things that you automatically, like you kind of lurk up and go pay attention to it. Um, like music just has that effect on your brain. I can list off most of the concerts I've been to, right? Just, and, and who, who was the opener? Who was the closer? Who was in between? Probably a couple of the songs that they listened to. Probably couldn't tell you the last like six movies that I saw off the top of my head though. Like that kind of stuff is always just really cool with music. Wanting to talk about like what are what are the positives that we get out of this instructional hem idea? One, especially if you're in a classroom situation, music perks up the students. They go from just kind of leaning back and just whatever, you know, let's get this over with. But I was like, really, lectures tend to be boring. They they do tend to be boring. But this was kind of a key thing that ties music to our learning. Music motivates critical thinking. And if we can tie the two together, critical thinking and that specific lesson plan with some kind of music, I I wasn't familiar. I didn't watch much Bill Nye, but I never thought about like having a little music intro to a point and then ending with it, how much impact that would have on on the memory of whatever was said in the middle of that, too. So that's the power that music has on top of this learning that we get through this instructional hymns. Right. And think about it too, because the, if you're going to do it like an instructional hymn or just like music in general, it's going to activate both sides of the brain. Right. So we discussed how um, singing is going to be on the right side, but like speaking is going to be on the left side. So part of the with stroke victims, right. How they were discussing how they would have them uh, sing to speak because they could just like learn back through it. It's a very similar thing with like your memory, right. Where you can like remember the song. And then when you remember the song, you start to remember the fact. If you look at like Sesame Street, there was another show called The Electric Company. You know, mm-hmm. these were things that were these you know, use those forms of instructional hymns as well too. We did In Between the Lions was the other one that we really liked a lot. All of them include some form of singing or music incorporated into their programming. Even Barney. Uh, that's who was in my head as well too. Yeah. All I thought of was a purple dinosaur. Barney used it all the time in teaching principles beyond just like you know specifically vocabulary and stuff like that he was teaching life principles through song as well too yeah which is which is probably been like barney might be the instructional hymn of our time because that was kind of like again you would go to church and you would essentially like get your lecture but then you would also 
receive knowledge and like they were, they were trying to like coach these people to be better citizens the entire time, which Barney does just at a very young age. I'm not sure how I'm going to tie all this together yet, but we went from taking the Holy scriptures of God in the form of a hymn Uh and have evolved into Barney. I'm just Holy scriptures of God, right? Be good to one another. Yada, yada, yada. Don't punch your neighbor in the face. What does Barney tell you? Be good to your neighbor. Don't punch people in the face. Borderline, very similar me- Like they're very similar messages. I'm not saying they're the same. I'm just saying that like very similar messages across the board. That's a good point. Be right? kind to people. Be kind to people. Right? Mr. Rogers is another example of someone that would just kind of again just friendly little like doodles. Like it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day, and it was no, and there was never like an elaborate like like you know we we lived at school, um, Schoolhouse Rock as a as a is a great example. But if you want them to look at something kind of simpler, like Mr. Rogers, it was always, it was like a, just a simple like piano in the background, like yeah. just enough to pique your interest. And then the, cause it almost just comes out, cause it doesn't rhyme necessarily all the time, right? And it kind of like there's some slang rhyme and some slang just. And there's not even really rhythm, but he's kind of singing that. And that goes all the way back, you know, to the, to the forgotten times as well, too, of people just kind of singing around a campfire, mm-hmm. you know, not something structured in that way. But that's a good point that, that, Though all those shows incorporate those things into the learning to be memorable, and again, and we remember it, right? Like that's that's the whole point is that we were, we were, we remember it, because like <laughs> music helps with memory. So maybe, or and then also like not being stressed, but like maybe we should start singing things to each other when we wanted to like remember something. Be like Brandon, I need you to remember to get me the Willie B from Rico's, and then maybe I'll remember. I guess it's just something like that. I don't know. You got it, buddy. I'm like, on that. Take out the trash. <laughs> it's getting late. It's time for you to leave. Oh well, that, I guess that's my exit cue, guys. <laughs> well, that's really all we've got in time in this last series. This has been a fun series for me to go through these different. Uh, I don't want to say forgotten because in some ways there's always a portion of these that we're still able to use. It's almost like we spent five episodes trying to make sure that we could still use these. We're going to make it work. (laughs) They are going to work. Well, in the UC moment, I think for this one specifically is consider the vehicle of your communication. You know, are you a boring monotone person? Uh, How can you, and when I say communication, I'm talking presentations, but it could even be telling you to take out the trash. Yeah. All of those communications, think about that vehicle and how you're presenting it in a memorable way. Music tied to lessons have certainly impacted our world from when they started doing it to that point today. And wrapping the whole series up, you, we look at these forms of communication can still be applied to our lives today in ways that can impact the people that we communicate with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I got, dude. Like, I was, I sang Take Out the Trash. I got nothing left. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to soundbite that one. That's all I got. That's all we got for this series. See, See you, bye. bye.